Listen, I've never had any problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. The biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. This is the great American motorsport. Drag racing. Prove me wrong. I'll wait. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, July 12th, 2023. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for being a part of us, meeting us here around Drag Racing's water cooler to talk about all the latest and greatest happenings in the sport of drag racing. As always, the Wes Buck Show is made possible by way of all of our friends right over my shoulder, one way or the other. Stroud Safety, Redline Synthetic, Oils, Aeromotive Fuel Systems, FlowRacing.com, and Racers Club. What's going on, guys? We've got a super exciting show for you today. It's a little bit, I think today is going to be a fun one to navigate, a little bit of a challenge because we are days away from what will more than likely be the final NHRA Mile High Nationals at Bandemir Speedway. It's going to be a bulk of the conversation here today on the show. We're going to be joined in just a little bit by the man, the myth, the legend, NHRA Top Fuel Dragster Superstar, the one, the only, Tony Schumacher will be joining us in just a little bit. Excited to talk to him, a guy who's got a lot of big memories, big moments that he has been a part of out there on Thunder Mountain. But man, it really will be an interesting thing this coming weekend, the 35th annual, the longest running active sponsorship in motorsports. I think that's a, a real significant testament to what the Bandemir family and Bandemir Speedway represents, the, 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 the rich tradition and history that exists at that facility. And a relationship like that, to be honest, is essentially unheard of at this point in time. So lots of things to talk about. And again, if you're joining on YouTube, remember to click like, click subscribe, hit that little bell. Make sure you get notified every time we go live here on the Drag Illustrated YouTube channel, Facebook page, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're following along on social media, click like, click share, be a part of this, help us spread the gospel of drag racing. As always, I'm joined here on the show by my buddies, the ones, the onlys. I'm going to kind of say that a lot, I think, today. Mike Carpenter, JT Hudson, what's up, boys? JT, do you burn down uh, rural Missouri over the weekend? It looked like we tried two to, to. Two to 500 people were at your house. How do you? Yeah, what's up What with is that, up man? with these parties? Is this just some small town stuff that, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't even I don't remember know. that happening when I lived there. What my does the wife, cleanup look like wife, the next day? The, the cleanup is, uh, yeah, it's impressive. You, know, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you, you almost just have to call like a trash truck to come in and. No, it's not. If it's you not don't follow, everybody JT has to stay on, over. Yeah, right. if you don't follow JT oh, on social media, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a nudge, just a, a polite nudge right now. It there was a time in my life, I'm gonna air out some personal grievances here, JT. This could get deep. Oh, I know, there was a time. Like yeah. There was a time I wasn't super thrilled with JT's social media antics. I would be every weekend. I'd be like, my God, man, it's drinking, golfing, golfing, drinking, drinking, golfing, golfing, drinking. And uh, but now I kind of just settled jealousy, into it, man. man. It really was Mike. When I would complain, this is funny. We're really getting deep here. When I would complain about JT's social media to Mike, Mike would say to me, 
dude, you're just jealous. JT's <laughs> having more fun than any of us. And it took me a little while. Uh, but you know what? Turns out that's the case. I, I think we're all jealous of you, JT. We've been uh, vicariously that, but, through your, but, uh, uh, your, your parties. No, it's just, you know, we've just... You know, like literally, like what nor most of northern Missouri, we've we kind of just gotten to know over the years, you know, whether it's golf tournaments or parties or whatever. And man, I just love getting getting together with everybody. And oh shit, we we uh I, we got the karaoke microphones out, you know. Because I had to buy <laughs> he has a full blown wireless karaoke setup at <laughs> yeah. his house with well, like concert level stereo. Yeah, I didn't really need all that, but uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> why not and then not? yeah i think we shut her down about 5 30 in the morning played the last song maybe something oh my like that. god man i, I can't remember the last time i was up till 5 30 in the morning i was probably with mike and i was probably in las vegas if if <laughs> it, it's really i mean i can't come up maybe, with yeah any. that was we used to do a lot of uh all-nighters man we used to do like three day in a row all-nighters working on the magazine we'll see this is that's the problem with getting older yeah yeah is you pull the all-nighters and you used to, then you'd sleep half the day, right? Mm -hmm. well, now you've got kids. You can't. They're getting up so no then matter you gotta, what. Then you got to wake If your wife wasn't with you, then you got to make sure that that you that you look like that you're halfway decent and, oh, it wasn't that bad. We we didn't get that crazy, you know, and you walk around. <laughs> Meanwhile, you've like, got a black eye. Dying. Walking <laughs> your limp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I get a black eye every, about every, what every three months or so, so. I'd say about every ninety days, JT's yeah. got a shiner. That's okay, you know. Yeah. Hey, man, it's kind of like a marker for the year. Um, you know, it's usually so I don't get them though when I'm actually fighting. I, I get them <laughs> fighting the when furniture, I'm, like, breaking up fights, or Listen. trying to be like the voice of reason, and then I get Listen, like young folk side by yeah, somebody. Young yeah. folk around the world. My dad taught me this when I was very, very young. It's never the people fighting that gets hurt. It's always the person trying to break it up. So yeah. you kind of just got to let those deals fizzle out. Like if you're going to be the hero Let's and step in, you better be ready to like keep the shoulders up, you know, and try to get it, you know, to be a glancing blow because someone's going to hit you from behind. I mean, it's just I, I, I'll, I'll admit it, though. And I'm going to be honest with you here, though. Ninety nine percent of the people that are trying to break up fights are trying to get in the fight. In a fight. Like, yes. like, like, Can't wait. They are like, just waiting for someone to grab them and say, hey, get your ass out of there. What'd oh, you yeah. say to me? Oh, yeah. no, I'm in it. Yeah, you don't talk to me like that. You know, I, I wish mean, somebody and then it's on. Yeah. yeah, I wish somebody would, yeah. brother. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of staying up all night, I think we were, JT and I were just talking in the green room. Um, do you miss, like, those war stories, JT? We were just, like, talking about how much this whole thing has changed. Do you miss any of that, Mike? Because they're a part of me. At and I'm not listen. I'm not trying to go back to di 17 when we would go three four days without sleep trying to get the magazine done. But that stuff was so exciting, wasn't it? Like it literally felt like every day. And still, to be honest, so excited, I'm pretty proud man. that we've been able to keep it. You know what I mean? We Ex keep it I don't exciting. Know, man. We'll around here, up, we come up with another word. I don't know about exciting, but uh, yeah, you know, it was, it it was out of necessity. Like a battle. It was out of necessity. Know? We had to do that. We felt like we had to do that to get where we wanted to be. Uh, but damn, we were productive and you know, th this thing went out on time. Brett would be really proud of us every, wow. every, every month staying up all night, getting this thing out. But yeah, we've, we just have so many things going on now and I this show like being one of them. writing the cover story, 
like the night before you yeah. wanted to go to press, I, going through airport security. I'll never forget going through airport security in St. Louis. I'm on the phone with you or Dave, I can't remember who I was on the phone with barking captions and they're laying out the magazine and I left my phone. It was on. You know, I was talking to you, put it in the, the tray, <laughs> sent it through the machine and picked it up on the other end. And I was like, yeah, Darren Hoyle, red 69 Camaro, black stripes, Fulton 706, blah, 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 blah. You know, giving you all the, the info to be yeah. prepared uh, or to write the caption or, oh my gosh, those were the days, man. Those they were. Those well, were we've, we've got a ton going on now. And I mean, and how about this weekend, man? We're getting into the swing. This is This is my favorite time of the year. I love when we start the swing, we go to Denver. It's always a wild card. I always feel like you see these guys that they're either the the front runners that have the Denver tune up or, or guys that don't run well anywhere else, but they go to Denver and all of a sudden they're like top three qualifier. And then they, and then they show well there. Then you got to go to Sonoma, which is exact opposite conditions. Got to have a tune up for that Seattle. Uh, so this to me is a little bit of like a separation point for the season where we start to see either um, some wild cards throw their name in or people that are already on a dominant path for the year kind of cement that. I agree, man. It's like, for me, the, the, these summer months, the dog days of summer really separate the men from the boys, in my opinion, you know, and it's not to say that it's easy to make Hail Mary runs whenever it's record set in season come September, October, November, but it's just a unique challenge. And to your point, you do see the gap kind of narrow between the, let's say the haves and have nots, uh, so to speak, the big super teams and the big budget operations versus some of the, you know, journeyman racers and kind of uh, weekend warrior types that bounce around and attend certain events this is uh it's these months when you really see who's who out there but i gotta tell you man i i've always been surprised that as much of a challenge as it is, as it is for teams and tuners and everybody involved i mean hell the fans kind of got their work cut out for them out there at uh on thunder mountain i mean walking up and down yeah, that big stairs. stairway it's intimidating oh, i love it. <laughs> it it's an intimidating deal for everybody involved but isn't that kind of what we're here for right in that yeah. challenge part of what makes all of this so special if it was easy everybody would do it and i know that it's a complete anomaly on the nhra tour that that level of altitude and, and contending with the conditions out there but i, I do see it as a, an exciting challenge and i think that no matter what anybody says People about the performance you, right? of the cars yeah man i mean you're a couple a of weeks off a couple yep. of weeks off things kind of settle for a moment everybody's able to you know freshen things up and, and just take load a, the trailer. a much needed load the trailer break. with everything You've got every from the single shop, part you have every single part <laughs> because you're going to need maybe just for Denver, but then definitely for uh, the other other two races. Definitely as well, for man. the it's, other it's ones. It's grueling. Man. It's a it really is grueling, but it's an exciting time of the year for me. Uh, I'm glad you agree. And I think this special this weekend, it will be bittersweet in so many ways. Like it's easy for all of us to get amped up about the NHRA Western Swing. To your point, I think it's one of you get the Gators out of the way. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to downplay any of these. They're all special in their own way. But there, there's this early season that kind of happens that's not at all insignificant, very significant. But this just feels like a high spot on the schedule. And it seems fitting that it gets kicked off at Thunder at, on Thunder Mountain at the NHRA Mile High Nationals. Uh, but like I said, bittersweet because it, it would seem that this is the last go round, the last hurrah at uh, 10,000 feet out and there. What's the, uh, what's the swing going to look like without Bandemir on the schedule? Or are we just going to have to be honest? I think we're going to you're looking at a complete in rebrand, in my opinion. I, I think that your NHRA will be tasked or challenged 
to find a new way to make this special. And, I, and again, not downplaying or pouring cold water on Sonoma or Seattle. Fantastic venues, fantastic events in their own right. But it does seem like it will be different without this trip uh, to Denver, Colorado there. So I, it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do to kind of keep that alive because what a huge part of drag racing the Western swing has been for years and years. I mean, it's kind of it's uh, beyond winning a championship and the standard accolades that exist in our sport. Being one of the people, one of the few racers who have swept the swing or even been in contention to sweep the swing really is a, a, differentiate, uh, a, a differentiator out here. I mean, it's you may have won a couple of championships, but have you swept the swing? Like that is Surprisingly rare, few rare air. Have, have swept the swing <clears throat> way, way fewer than you would think at first glance. Seven for how long the swing has been going on. You know, like I actually don't know the first year. Maybe our guests will know the first year they did it. But uh, nonetheless, 35 years of the NHRA Mile High Nationals, the longest active sponsorship in all of motorsports. I was reading in a report on sportsbusinessjournal.com yesterday, and it was just talking about the different sporting sponsorships, it, they had done some sort of study where they'd pulled a whole bunch of people and asked them what were like the most impactful or most recognizable sponsorships in all of motorsports. And they're talking about NASCAR, IndyCar, F1, NFL, MLB, NBA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Interestingly, the most recognized sponsorship in all of sports as per this Sports Business Journal uh, listing was Goodyear as the official tire of NASCAR. Isn't that interesting? Wow. You know, that, that was they identify that 72% of the people polled were able to identify that sponsorship hmm. in sports. Goodyear second to that was Bud Light and Budweiser in NFL, which I thought was really interesting as well. So it's it, but that just speaks to the significance of these long running sponsorships. I think sometimes and this was what I really wanted to be the theme of today's show. Patience. Right. Our guest here today, I, I'm excited to talk to about patience, but it's something that we run into all the time here in drag racing and here at Drag Illustrated. We'll have a racer dive in to the deep end of the pool, buy an operation, truck, trailer, hire the greatest tuners, buy all the best parts. And then three months in, they're ready to sell all the shit because success just doesn't happen quickly in the sport of drag racing. We talked to Clay Milliken a few weeks ago right here on this program, and he told us about 19 years coming between yeah. wins in NHRA top fuel competition. I don't know that people really understand. I'm giving myself goosebumps and chills because it, it, I get frustrated. And it's something that I, I'm super passionate about because if you think success is going to come early and often in the sport of drag racing, you you may want to like reevaluate the situation because so many folks are quick to get frustrated, quick to throw in the towel. You see fans tearing people apart because they haven't had this overnight success. Well, that doesn't happen in the sport of drag racing. When it does, it's typically an anomaly, and it's certainly very often short lived. So, anything at anyways. this level, anything at this level, it, it is going to require patience. I mean, you don't just go out and pick up a, a ball or a bat or anything and expect to race with the pros. You know, I mean, you got to, you got to put your time in, I guess, you know, as, as they say, right. And 100%. You know, and, and some people will never get there. Like, it's just, it's just going to happen. Like, you know, there's, there's people that have talent and there's people that don't, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, but you're, you're not going to win. No, I mean, and it's like <laughs> yeah, the most successful drag racers in the world. One of which we're moments away from chatting with 
wins oftentimes, no matter how successful you are in the sport of drag racing, you're going to take a lot of L's. You're going to take a lot of lumps. I mean, it's just part of the game. And the the beauty of what we do in the sport of drag racing, I think, is that I saw something on social media earlier this week, and it was talking about how you don't have to win. You don't have to be exceptionally good to enjoy something. And and we are blessed as a sport to have tons of people that spend money they don't have, time they, they should spend elsewhere chasing the drag racing dream, not because they're trying to win wallies or win championships or set records, but because they love it. They love being a part of it. They love being out there. They, they want to do it. And thank God for those folks. But for the people who set out with championship intentions and, and aspirations of winning all the races and setting all the records, you better pack a lunch. Because it is a, it's a tough one. It's a long, long road. And I, I think we're in a moment in society where people kind of expect overnight results. I mean, you don't have to watch TV for five minutes and it's lose 77 pounds in eight days with this new thing or, you know, six pack overnight or ch- people expect microwave level results, but it just people doesn't have, People have happen. zero patience. I mean, like look around, uh, Put a show on sometime with your family, yeah, you know, just on the TV or, or can't even do it, man. I mean, young man, kids these you look days. over, they're on, no. they're on their phone, they're on an iPad. You know, you're trying to watch something, you hear some reels going or some TikToks, and you're like, <laughs> shut that shit off. Oh my God, I'm trying to watch this, you know. But yeah, God, it's a really, really, patient. really interesting yep. thing, man. Well, speaking of patience, um, w- w- I would like to uh, introduce to the show. I think we've had Tony on one or two times. But uh, so. this is going to be a fun one here today. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, the man of the hour, good friend of Drag Illustrated, the one, the only, Tony Schumacher. What's going on, buddy? What's up, man? Hey, Tony. It's glad to be here, man. Oh, hey, thank good, you, man. Good, so good uh, the show and uh... we appreciate it, man. We really do. Have you have you bailed yet? Have you headed for the mountain or are you still it looks like you're still home? Yeah, I'm home, but uh, we'll leave tomorrow. And it's uh, listening to the show. It's. You're right. It's it's an altitude place. It's a difficult uh, it's a difficult race. So we go in a day early, and, and we'll go hike a little bit, fly fish a little bit, uh, get acclimated to the to the air because man, it's the cars suffer and the drivers suffer. You know, the crews yeah. suffer. Those guys, you know, when you watch them ripping a twelve thousand horsepower engine apart uh, after every run up in the mountains, this uh, it's something that it's it's nice to get in a day or two early. Get used to the you know, it'd be nice to get in even earlier, but, you know, come in and, and uh, just kind of get ready for, for what you're about to do. It's a, it's a long journey, you know, the three races, it's a lot of traveling, uh, very different types of racing, and uh, it's fun. And I, it's, you're, you're right, I, I don't know what they're going to do next year to, to find and replace, the, to keep the Western Swing as a Western Swing, but it's something we all look forward to. So uh, I'm ready to go see what NHRA pulls off. Yeah, I, it's, I'm it's I'm amazing. excited for that. It, they they're gonna need to like, I don't know. You either dive into some sort of California inspired thing, you know, where yeah, that's so thinking or, Pomona you know, or throw yeah, something I don't know. in there. You, you're gonna have to do something, I think, significant to make it have the pop that Bandamere has had over the years. A couple of things, um, Tony. Let's. There's a lot to cover with you. One of the things we were talking about, and before, because. I have a feeling that we could today's show could could um, smack a little doom and gloom when you talk about a racetrack going away. Uh, so I don't want to I don't want to belabor that point. So let's let's kind of 
put that on the back burner for a moment and talk about what we were just mentioning. Tony, I don't think it's any secret, probably not having exactly the season you expected in 2023, but I would love to hear kind of your perspective. You, you gave a couple of quotes that great teams uh, are built on the back of patience, and I, I would love to just kind of explore that uh, concept and that thought process with you here today, because we got a lot of ton of feed, uh, a lot of positive feedback last week on the show when I shared a personal, like anecdotal story about this one race my dad won that I remember vividly. Because despite a lifetime of racing, there's like this one high point moment where we won a race, and that never stopped us from going. It never uh, prevented us from chasing the dream, right? But this stuff is very difficult. So I'd love to just kind of hear your perspective on where you're at right now. I mean, somebody who's done all the winning in the world, right? But having to, to swallow this uh, horse tranquilizer level pill that has been a, a little bit of a slow start to the season. What do, you, what do you make of the patience required to be successful in uh, drag racing and maybe anything, Tony? Well, man, I'll tell you, the funniest thing is with the 86 wins you have sitting on a shelf, and I think that's my number, we have hundreds of losses, and, and I've used that in so many speeches and so many times speaking for the U.S. Army. Uh, and, and I would talk and say, look, man, you're not, you don't win every one of them, but enjoy the battle because that's really what we do. We, uh, we grow up as little kids wanting to race cars. Then we put a team together, and we put a better team together, and we get better parts, and we just inch our way up. And uh, when I talk to a lot of guys in Super Comp or – a comp class and come up and go, what's it like? And I go, what's what like? Well, you know, top fuel. I go, well, the wind light comes on. It's fantastic. When it doesn't, it's heartbreaking. Just like it is in your sport. It's the same sport. It's just a different class. And so many people are trying to get here. They forget this is fun and this is fun. And this is what we all wanted to do. And, you know, not everyone gets to, I guess, be blessed with, with getting into a top fuel car. And some people get in the top fuel car and can't stand it. They're terrifying. So, enjoy the moment and it's what i've always said if you can enjoy the moment because some are bad so some, and i don't know if they're just because i get beat it doesn't make it a bad moment i know that at the end of the day we'll go out and win a championship i know that we're going to win races i know that when we brought zippy back over uh, after working on a funny car it was going to take some time i was not fooling myself that he was going to go from a, a funny car to a dragster and remember everything that a dragster does. It's going to take some runs, take some races, and take some time building a team, a group of people that can work together so well that we can win rounds and win races. So uh, these guys, they test, they they go to the the shop, they use the dynos, they they put every bit of energy and thought into these cars, and and when it comes time, we will go out and dominate. I think we're going to start running really good right now. We. We had a huge problem early on in the season that there was no way for anyone to know. I know what it is. I can't really talk about it because other people are probably having the issue, and I don't want to fix it for them. It took a long time for us to figure out. But now that we got power, we got to make it work. We're heading to the perfect place to have power and need power. So we'll see what happens. You know, uh, Denver's been very kind to me. I, I love running there. And like you said, we're not gonna we're not gonna dwell on the the going away. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy the, the last race and try to put that Wally on the shelf because it's going to mean an awful lot. To your point, Tony, six, uh, excuse me, nine final round appearances, three wins out at uh, the mile high nationals. And I think you're right. This, this race 
despite the, the the pomp and circumstance that surrounds the NHRA Western Swing, it does seem like it historically has served as something of a jumping off point for people. I mean, and not just in the season as it was like for entire careers. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, Matt Hagen, a, a champion in his own right, kind of had a coming out party at the NHRA Mile High Nationals. He was verbose on camera and giving these great interviews. And I think that that's the type of facility. That's the type of environment. It's the type of challenging atmosphere that really brings out the best in people. When you talk about Mike Neff, Zippy, all that he's accomplished, do you feel like this, these uh, summer months when, like you said, you're challenged to kind of get outside of the box, maybe do some things that you wouldn't, wouldn't normally do. Is that like the perfect recipe for this group that you have right now? Well, yes. But let's go back. We, we also have probably the best assembly of top fuel uh, oh, yeah. teams we've ever had. And, you know, I hate saying that, but when I was trying to hire a top fuel crew chief, when, when last year when I said, okay, we got to make a change here, um, and I started looking around, I had opportunities to bring people over that would have been short-lived, but really good. And I looked at Zippy and said, okay, I know it's going to take time, even though we had so much success. You know, in, in 2018, me and him were running low ET of every round at the end of the year. But there were different parts and different pieces, and it's a different car. But I watched him already build a team back in 18 and go, okay, it took a little learning curve, and then, bam, pure dominance. So uh, we're, we, we're going to get there. Um, but the teams, the, the level of competition now, it's really fantastic to watch. You know, and it's like we, we've always heard a silly season where people start swapping and moving around. We haven't really had that so much in the last couple of years. So we've had teams that have been working together for a long time and in at least a few years now. And some of the young drivers have, have great crew chiefs and they're doing a great job and the cars are starting to perform. Uh, some of the teams that we're running Simply Amazing are a little off right now. And, you know, those it's cyclical, man. It, you know, it's like an undulating golf ground, right? It's just ups and downs. And the teams that make it are the ones that don't throw their helmets, don't kick the crew chiefs out, don't, don't go nuts. They look at the situation. They go, I have an idea. Let's work towards it. We'll test. We'll get there. And, you know, we went from, shoot, we won a championship in 99 by winning one race and then crashed a car and really sucked for a few years. You know, we just didn't have it right until we until we got it figured out. And then we went on and won a bunch of championships. So patience. And this is one of those sports where, you you know, we work for six minutes a year under power. <laughs> right. Six minutes a year. But don't tell the sponsors that because, you know, when you're negotiating, it makes it really hard. But right. yeah. six minutes. So, you know, I always relate it to Clint Eastwood. You know, I love watching Clint Eastwood. And, and he's, you know. Yes, he's an actor, but but the real cowboys of the day, right? The guys that could stand there and look a person down because that's what we do, right? We're, we're just a few seconds away from knowing if we won or lost. We can see the finish line from the start line. We're sitting in a car two inches off the ground. This is pretty much a shootout. And the guys that are really good didn't just go, I got really good just looking at my weapons here. They went out and they practiced. And they shot those cans off the ledge and they practice and practice thousands and thousands of hours to be great at the few seconds they're going to need to do it. And that's really what we do. We train and we practice, we practice, we practice so that when it's time to do the actual job, it's a good turnout. And there's other people 
who are really good at their job too. So understand that you're not going to be perfect every time. You got to be perfect more than them. You got to do a better job more often. And there's a lot that goes into going a quarter mile or a thousand foot. It's not who can hit the tree because I've seen an awful lot of people hit the tree and drive that car right out of the groove, you know, and, and that just happens. So there's several things that go with making a car perform, being consistent, the way you the brake pressure you use, the way you stage calmness, coolness, keeping the car straight and not unsettled. Uh, and, and we're going to go to a place like this where we've broken two cars in half here now, last year being one of them, where, you know, you're making decent power, but not the power you're used to. You're trying to go, go through a clutch, wear some clutch. The front wings don't have the downforce they'd normally have. The, a lot of things happen, you know, and uh, you got to be able to drive a car in a difficult situation. You're going to smoke the tires sometimes because you're not getting all of it like you do at, at Sonoma, you know, the weekend. And then you're going to go to Sonoma and you're going to get all of it. So you can do the exact same <laughs> thing for a different reason. You know, like you just got to be able to do it. We, we've uh, we've won some of these races several times. I mean, we've won Denver three times, like you said. I've won Seattle maybe six or seven. I've won Sonoma. We've swept a swing. So, um very difficult to do. I think I'm very positive going into these races. And, you know, Zippy and John and, and Phil Schuler, those guys, they're so good. And when they call me and they go, I think we're on to something, I think they're on to something. Because they they would never call me. They literally, when they're, when they're off, they look at me and they go, we just got to make changes. We're just This tune-up's not working. These primary clutches aren't working. And we can sit here all day long and work at it, but it, they're not going to work. So we need to make a drastic change. We've made that change several times this year. And coming into the last couple of races, they've gone, I think we're getting, we're not changing anything. Let's just work with this, what we got. So uh, that's exciting, man. I look forward to getting to this race. And I'm pumped up, man. I, I, I can tell, man. I, I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm, uh, we will be borrowing the the Clint Eastwood shootout line. We'll be making flyers and posters and stuff because that that is precise. I've been waiting for someone to describe drag racing in that manner, Tony, because I think a lot of times we're all so desensitized to this. We've been around it our whole lives. We've done it a gazillion times. And I think it's easy to kind of gloss over the the severity of what's happening out here, the courage required to do it. I mean, I, I agree. I think it's no different than a gunfight, a shootout. And it's that's the 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 magic of our sport is that mano y mano, the the the, the romance. I, I know that's a weird word to use, but there is a dance For that's sure. being done out there. And that's I think that's why I get so pissy about four wide racing because I think it kind of messes yes. it up. Can you, you imagine a four wide shootout? Yeah, no. You know, that's the whole problem. And and and, you know, they build up a movie to be the Clint Eastwood and this guy that pissed him off. And, yeah. and you know, their shootout ain't going to happen until the end of the movie because they got to keep you there eating popcorn for two right. hours. But that's what they do. And they build it up. Well, if there were four people, you know, eh, yeah, not so I much. Think it, I, I think it takes away from it. The only way to pull it off, I guess, would have everybody like start at opposite ends of the racetrack and play chicken yeah, or boy. something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how. Like, yeah. It's, you got to have a tombstone. You know, which is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, you got to have a Tombstone movie if uh, if you're not going to have a classic gunfight. But I'm curious, Tony, you mentioned something that has been really a topic of conversation for two or three years now, right? On the heels of the somewhat normalization post-COVID, uh, Top Fuel looks different than it's ever looked before. And I don't ever mean to be disparaging to, to past champions such as yourself, the Steve Torrances, all the, the folks that have had tremendous success over kind of as part of the modern era, let's call it, of drag racing. 
but but things are different right now. There's an incredible amount of equipment out here that's really high quality, well-funded teams, a, a lot of super smart people, uh, significant stakeholders. I think about Joe Maynard and Mike Salinas and some of the folks that have come into the sport uh, that, that weren't involved uh, previously, or at least not on a team ownership level. So things are really headed in the right direction. But I would love to kind of go back to that 1998, late 90s. C can you, is there, again, don't mean to be disparaging, but I love to use uh, combat sports analogies. I mean, you used to be like able to be pretty good at boxing, like an exceptional boxer, and you're going to go far in the UFC. Well, now to go far in the UFC, you need to be a great boxer, great jujitsu uh, practitioner. You need to be a great wrestler. You have to be multidisciplined. So things have changed. It's it's evolved a lot. Can you? How have things in, evolved in your opinion? Maybe from a, a driving perspective, the equipment perspective, the team. Uh, like, what did success or the the blueprint for success look like back in 1999 versus what it takes to be successful in top fuel today, Tony? Well, I think there were three crew chiefs back in the day that, you know, they were going to win the championships, you know, and, you know, if you, if you were to say back when we were, you know, in the heyday, if you were to say, okay, we need to put a million dollars on a driver, you were going to pick me and just not be, you know, Alan Johnson, you're going to say, this is, who would you pick now? If your life depended on picking who was going to be the champion this year, you wouldn't know which one of 10 people to pick. It, it could be anybody depending on, where they are at that exact time in the season. You know, I mean, there's people that run good and all of a sudden they're a little off. And you look at a Brittany, man, what a great car and what a great tuner and what a great, and all of a sudden they're getting beat. It's like, what just happened there? So it's just, you know, a clutch disc goes away, a part goes away. Uh, but overall, we have better teams now all together than we did back then. Back in, in uh, my early career, I guess, you, you had – you know, let me start by saying it changed. When I started in 99, in 96 and 99, there, there were 10 people that could leave in 10 with the points lead. There was no countdown. You know, so Model and Bernstein and me and Herbert and Selzy and Dixon. It just went on and on. There were 10 people, Mike Dunn, that literally could leave Indy with just a few races left with the points lead. That's how bunched up we were. But then it went away, and it became there was one or two cars. You know, Dixon was there for a little while. We were there for a long time. Then it was just me battling someone, me battling Coletta, me battling Hot Rod, me battling Antron. Our car was just on for a long, long, long time. Uh, and now I think Alan Johnson has moved on. He's taught people. They've learned well. Now you got a whole bunch of people that have a really good tune-up, know how to use it, and I think a lot of that – you know, really gets, I guess, credited back to an Alan Johnson, someone who was willing to share, willing to teach uh, and and expand his program, which he did. You know, he's, he's had uh, with Jake and, and Brian Hewson and those guys, he's taught them well and uh, and made them great. Now, how about that, though? You got an Alan Johnson out there who hasn't won a race. This guy, we went up, won, won 15 races in a season. He's got Coletta, the best, in my opinion, one of the best drivers by far in, in the business and they haven't found their exact niche. So patience, you don't see them out throwing Alan Johnson out of the plane, you know, like this dude is, <laughs> he's going to get it, you know, and when he does, he's going to be freaking good. So patience and understanding it and how this thing works. So uh, I hope I answered the question. Things have gone from back 
where they were, there were a lot of people in 99 that could win. Back to maybe three. You know, you know who was going to win the championship, at least who was going to be in the fight at the end, to now, yeah, I mean, Justin's running good, but there's a whole lot of people. And if you were to say, would you put your money that Justin's going to go win a championship? I would not. I know Mike Green. I've worked with him. He's fantastic. Justin's driving a car like, like a machine. There's just too many good people to make a bet with your life on something like that. You know, yeah, I think they're running great, and they might win a championship. They have every chance. However, there's 10 people out there that can do it at the end of the year, especially with the countdown is. Yeah, I was just going to say, especially with the countdown, you see a team like get momentum at exactly the right time. When things start to fall together, and if it falls together there late in the season, and I have to wonder sometimes if these teams, such as Justin Ashley and company, you start to have all this early success, and you're going, man, we've got to keep this up for a long time, to be honest. It, this probably sounds crazy to say, but I think I'm ra- I'd rather be Tony. You, you know what I mean? Because right now you have you're, you're still playing uh, a little. They're not suspected. They're waiting. They know you're waiting in the wings, and it's only a matter of time before you're back to your winning ways. But you kind of you've got that opportunity to sneak up on a few of these guys and maybe get have things fall into place at precisely the right time. It's hard to believe it's already July. I mean, I feel like the last thing I remember we were announcing Mike Neff joining your operation. It doesn't seem like that long ago. Um, No, you make, that's exactly what we're looking for, Tony, because I do think sometimes, and I don't, you know, mean to beat a dead horse, but this is different. And I think winning in top fuel in 2022, 2023, uh, it is a different, type of accomplishment again not to 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 talk poorly about any of the the racers and teams that have had success in the past but it it really takes a lot right now and it takes some things that are like intangible and I, i do think one of those things is is focusing on the task and like the the ultimate mission and not getting derailed one thing that we see here and i talk anytime anybody asks me about uh not that i'm tuning cars but as far as like people you've got to kind of pick someone and and stick with it because one of the worst things you can do in this game is like start bebopping around the pits and doing like crew chief by council. You you know what I mean? Take a little bit of what he says because it sounds good and you kind of agree and take a little bit of what they say because you know what? You've heard that works too. That's not how you find success. You kind of got to pick somebody, Mike Neff, uh, uh, Phil Schuler, et cetera, and say, hey, win, lose, or draw we're committed to a goal and we're going to figure it out together. And obviously there's exceptions to the rule, but I do think you guys are uh, doing the right thing. I want to talk one thing that happened last year, uh, nothing to do with the Western swing, but it really stuck out to me uh, was your experience in, in uh, uh, Brainerd. Do you remember this ordeal? Okay. So if there was anything that showed me the championship medal of that team, you know, and I know this is pre zippy, uh, that was a remarkable moment for those that don't know, uh, tearing stuff up one round after another, winning on hole shots, winning via pedal fest car won't even hasn't even started as you're getting strapped into it, rolling to the, to the starting line for the final, uh, ultimately didn't go your way, but it, it, uh, what, what a moment, right? In how much did that moment in time kind of tell you everything you needed to know? Everybody has those moments where it's like, all right, I learned a lot in this, on this day, I learned a lot. Was Brainerd 2022 a moment like that for you, Tony? I think I learned that I still had a fairly strong heart because I should have had a heart attack <laughs> several times. That, you know, I mean, thing wasn't starting. You know, just and you know, we gotta find we gotta find for that. 
because they said, well, you, 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 uh, you took the Leahy box off. I said, then we took everything off. Like the problem is, and, and we were willing to pay to say, here you go. Sorry. We weren't going to give the fans a show. If we didn't show up, they had a single. Are you kidding me? No one wanted that, you know? And, uh, we pulled up without the car starting. We knew we weren't going to make a run. We knew that the car couldn't even operate past half track. So we were going to shut it off at half track. I didn't know he was going to smoke the tires and shut the car off too. He shouldn't have. But, you know, that being said, how, how could he know that? You know, what we did was we fought to the freaking end. And, and that's the best part about this is you just, I truly didn't think it was going to start. Like it, it hadn't started in the pits. So they just took everything off, put all new stuff on. And it's a new team. These guys were kids, man. I mean, we had some kids last year. They were just they were just working their butts off. So to to get out there and, and, and earn your way into the final round the way we did it was was just awesome, man. It's just like then you start seeing some hope, but you still gotta wonder why the heck is this thing not started? We had some problems and, and we were fighting it kind of all year long. We had a lot of old parts, a lot of a lot of junk stuff. You know, it was just it, it all came together uh, at a weird time, you know. All the teams left DSR. I got in a car and said, okay, we got SCAG now. The Manners were putting some stuff together. But it wasn't like we, we said, hey, we got half a year. Let's start building new parts like we did this year, all brand new cars. By the way, when I broke the car in half last year in Denver, we took out the spare car. The motor wouldn't fit. The engine wouldn't go because it wasn't in the same place. I mean, it, it fits, but it just didn't line up. We didn't have two of the same parts two of the same pieces, two of the same blowers. And, and back to you, what you were asking earlier, the, the calculations, the engineering that goes into these, for a crew chief to say, okay, we got stuff that works. They got to look at it and go, we got stuff that works, and we have enough discs to run eight rounds at every race to get to the end, or else they got to make changes. So I've heard guys talk, Torrance, you know, I go, well, we have to take out the stuff that's working. And we got to put in some other stuff till we get to the last, to the countdown. We'll put this stuff back in, you know, and, and there is a lot. You think about a NASCAR race or F1 race and you, and you see them guys up there, them Harvard grads up there counting the fuel and teching the stuff. Our guys are doing the same thing, just doing it differently. We're calculating how many runs we can make to, to get to that championship. You do not want to pull into Pomona with a 40 or, you know, 60 point and no parts left to run the race. So there's a lot that goes into it, you know, understanding which is the best parts, the best pieces, the ones you're going to need at the end and being able to calculate how to, how to use it correctly. So good it, stuff. Man. It's it, a it terrifying proposition though, right? I mean, because it, it's one of the coolest parts about drag racing is that it's like this ultimate sudden death experience. It's this ultimate sudden death competition. It's like the game's always tied. Uh, it's always match point, right? And yeah. it, it, it's very interesting because to your point about NASCAR, and, and Formula One, like all this hubbub's made about, you know, which tires they're going to run, right? Are we going to run the intermediates? Are we going to run the hard tires? Are we going to run the soft compound? And when, when are we going to, how many pit stops are we going to make? Y'all are having to do that as a top fuel team or a pro level drag racing team over the course of the entire season. Like, oh man, we got a limited allocation of these clutch discs and we're going to need to hold on to them and, and use them during the countdown or when it matters. Uh, not to say that this stuff, Matt, doesn't matter. I, I always am very, try to be mindful of, of making light of the regular season, but um, no, it's, I think I appreciate you sharing that because it really is an interesting time that we live in, especially the, all those aforementioned battles that have to be fought by a, a race team, but to do it 
post-COVID in this kind of new world has been an even more uh, daunting task. So uh, a couple of things that uh, I want to run through here before we let you go. Uh, and again, Tony, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you. You're always great. Candid, honest. That's exactly the type of stuff we're looking here, uh, looking for here. Let's talk uh, specifically about Bandamir. You've been uh, vocal over the course of the last couple of weeks that this will be a bittersweet moment. Uh, it would be a disservice to what the Bandamir family and Bandamir Speedway has meant to the sport of drag racing, not to, to wax poetic about all that has happened out there. I point to that family and that racetrack. It, it goes without saying. Picturesque facility, beautiful, great part of the country, tons of things to do, fly fishing, red rocks right on the other side of the mountain, a beautiful city of Denver, Colorado. But uh, what, what do you think of, uh, where do you rank, I guess? Where, where do you place the Bandemir operation kind of in the grand scheme of things? You've been blessed to go racing at a lot of different tracks, win championships, go all over. Where do you put Bandemir as far as like their significance, their impact, everything that has come from that beautiful facility out there carved out of the side of the mountain? Well, we'll start with the fact that I got hired to drive top fuel in Denver. I flew down to Denver and the Peak Brothers were there uh, off Kipling. And the first time I ever got to drive a top fuel car was you know, right at that racetrack. So uh, to me, it's, I consider a few to be the greatest. You know, Denver is right at the top. Sonoma is a beautiful facility. Gainesville is so much fun to race. But there's only a handful that are at that level. You know, I, I'd be an idiot not to mention Indy. But Indy doesn't have the same look that a Sonoma or Denver has. I've just won it 10 times. So it's hard not to, and, you know, and like I, I kind of want to go there every day of my life. It's, it's <laughs> a great racetrack for me, but you know, Sonoma, man, beautiful Denver, fantastic, everything about it. But I don't know who owns Sonoma. I mean, I do, but I, I know the Bandemer family closely and they are truly uh, a gift to the sport. This is breaking their heart. You know, the fans are, I'm reading stuff and they're like, Oh man, how could you do this? You know how you do it. Sometimes they make you an offer that's so big. And I said it last week. I love driving a race car, but there's always a number that they could give you. You just got to go, well, okay, I'll go fish. And, you know, like, and that's what they did to them. That, that land is priceless. Um, it's stunning. It's gorgeous. I can't imagine driving and not seeing it built on the side of that hill. Uh, it's going to be kind of hard when we come back and go past that. And it's, you know, whatever they make it into, but they'll find another place. I have more trust and more belief that the Bandemir family would go out and try to find some spot than, than maybe some others. If just saying those words, they want to be part of racing. Uh, they're a, a racing family. They're about the children and the kids are racing. They, they're so good to the, the uh, junior drag racers. They're so good to the sportsmen, people that run there on a daily basis. And, uh, and they just care about people. So, We'll see what happens. I, I hope they find their place. You know, there's other places in the world, man. I, I'd love to race in Montana. I don't know if there's tracks we can run at, but uh, you know, I'm 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 a I'm a 53 year old man. I I wouldn't mind visiting some places I haven't got to visit. I've been to Denver every year of my life racing there, and I've been to Sonoma every year. But man, there's some racetracks out there I don't think I've been able to visit yet. And I wouldn't mind uh, getting them on the on the on the circuit. So. We'll see what happens, what NHRA comes up with. I hope it's a, a good plan. I hope we get, you know, some more racing in. We don't want to see tracks going away. We need more races, not less. I, I couldn't agree more. And you said that very well. I, I have 
anytime that I've been asked, and it seems like a, it's been a very prevalent conversation in 2000. Honestly, it's the, the rumor mill has been churning about this particular development for a while, for a couple of years now. And I remember the first text I got about it was like from a really reliable source that said, hey, writing's on the wall. If you want to go out there, you better make sure you go. You know, like if you want to be because it's it's going to happen. The place is going to be sold. And uh, to your point, Tony, I don't know that the Bandamir family, you know, for those that don't know, it was announced uh, just a few weeks ago, a little, I guess a couple of months ago now, that uh, this would more than likely uh, be the final NHRA Mile High Nationals at Bandamere Speedway in Morrison, Colorado, outside of Denver, Colorado. And it's it is a bittersweet thing, but the Bandamere family have done so much for the sport of drag racing. I, I think about all the technology that has come out of that facility by way of Larry Crisp and the Traction Twins, Kale and Cody Crisp, uh, everybody, and really the approach. Honestly, a lot of what we have adopted as far as event production, it, it's it, it it came from an education that we got at Bandamere Speedway. I mean, just their attention to detail, the the attention that they put on the the integrity of the event, you know, doing things the right way, making the right calls, even when they're tough to make, uh, the effort they put to engage the local market. I don't know that there's a track in the country that has more like more of a meaningful relationship with the locals than yeah. Bandemir Speedway. I mean, race to read. They've got a book reading program with the local schools. They their their Wednesday night take it to the track night is sponsored by the Colorado State Patrol. And I've been blessed to go there and be a part of that streetcar night three or four times in my life. And it's it's almost unbelievable. Like you would have a hard time wrapping your head around how many people want to go drag racing on a Wednesday night with their Tesla or their twin turbo Lambo or their bone stock GT Mustang, what have you, the staging lanes are filled. So, you know, if the band are listening, we've been talking about this a lot, but I think our sport owes you uh, a tremendous debt of gratitude. And if you decide as a family to collectively sail off into uh, the, the sunset, Good on you. You've done more than your fair share. Spread the gospel of drag racing, as we like to say. And, and, I mean, use the track for so many different things. I mean, one of the largest electric music festivals that happened, like the largest electric Christian electric musical music festival, I think, in the world happens at Bandamere Speedway. They found a way to make that place to turn the lights on as often as possible, even when it's not racing. So, yeah, huge uh, shout out to the Bandamere family for the mark they've made on the sport of drag racing. I think there's tons of track operators, tons of promoters, tons of people, racers in our sport that have kind of learned the way because of the Bandamere's, the example that the Bandamere's have set. Um, Tony, you make a good point, and this will be the, the last question. Again, I appreciate your, uh, uh, your time here today. Thank you very much. But uh, Chicago just had a huge moment. I know you're a Chicago native. Uh, you're obviously down in Texas now. I'm down in my neck of the woods. But thinking of Chicago and the NASCAR street race that just happened, I, I have had a thought over the course of the last few months as these street race things were happening, right? We got Formula One uh, laying the groundwork for a big event this fall in, in Las Vegas. This is a massive undertaking that, by all accounts, from what I understand, we're four months away. 70% of the tickets are already sold. Uh, I've, by all accounts, there is obviously some uh, differing opinion regarding the street race in Chicago, but by all accounts, the success brought out a whole lot of new fans to the sport. We saw the all the hubbub that surrounded the Miami Grand Prix when Formula One went to Miami for the first time last year and obviously uh, backed that up with another successful event in 23. I, I've kind of been wondering, will there be an opportunity at some point in the future to run these cars in a city? 
You, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if that could be done. I mean, you see what they do with Dodge and uh, Motor Trend does Roadkill Nights on Woodward Avenue outside of Detroit. I, I kind of have been wondering, how can we find a way to bring drag racing to the people versus having the people have to come to us, right? Because that's what NASCAR, in my opinion, ultimately accomplished. Just like a church, if you want to find sinners, you probably need to hold a service in a bar. No offense, JT. Sorry, buddy. Um, but you need, to, you need to go to where they are. The people that are seeking, that are looking, the searchers, the people that are out there looking for something. That's what NASCAR and Formula One are effectively doing. Uh, can you wrap your head around that? Like, I, I, Is that something that you would even entertain? I think it could be done. I really do. I think you could do some, some form of match races, the whole race. Our problem yeah, is to be a match race. Whole event, we, we run out of our rigs. You know, the F1 cars, the, the NASCARs, they pull the rig in, they unload it, they work out of a garage. I don't, our stuff gets serviced every run. It, it takes a pretty good square footage. We'd have to do it by some stadium, some parking lot of, of uh, you know, the football stadium. You know, you got to be, we need some room. The race itself, we can run. We're going to knock some windows down. It's a, it's a different car. Our cars, <laughs> you're going to have some some grandmas hopping out of the bathtub wondering what the heck's going on when the top fuel car hits the gas. It's a little bit little bit different. You know, NASCAR, all due respect, just sounds like a bunch of cabs driving around. It's it's all good. It, it ain't making the same car. You know, our stuff, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're moving at half the speed of the Earth's rotation. It's just a little different. But, it's um, a little different. I think, I think yeah, it's a little different. You know what I mean? I, I honestly think that there, we, we're going to have to find, because even if it's not at the highest level, I do think like the next frontier for the sport of drag racing, even if it's not like fuel cars, even if it's not pro stock, pro mod, the high, finding a way to bring our sport to people and making it a little bit more accessible, whether that's streetcar shootouts. I mean, we see some NASCAR tracks doing races on their uh, pit lane races. Uh, we, we see this happening. There's some small towns in America right now that are blocking off a road and putting up Jersey barriers or water barriers and, and having streetcar shootouts and stuff. And the more I think about it, that's really what is going to come next because it is, a it's a tough deal in 2023 to get people to drive 50, 60, 70 miles outside of town to an event that they've maybe never been to before. That was one of the stats that I saw from the NASCAR event in Chicago that really stuck out to me is I think 60% or over 60% of the people in attendance had never been to a race before. That, yeah. that had to be a victory for the sport, I would have to think. Yeah, for sure. It was awesome. And, and I think you could get a couple of cars to run. You, you know, first time people see a fuel car, they go, this is great. I can't believe I've missed it my whole life. Drag racing is unique, though. Every town has. I mean, growing up, every town had a drag strip. And you could, it's the only real sport where you don't have to own a late model race car to go to a racetrack. You could bring any car you got to the racetrack, the Bandemir's, Union Grove, Wisconsin, Cordova Dragway, these little places in the farm, you know, and, and you just run down the racetrack and you can bring your own car. You don't, you're not going to go 300 miles an hour, but they're going to give you a little trophy when you leave that said you were, you know, the, the high school drag racing champion today or a plaque because I had tons of those when I was growing up. Little plaques that meant so much. My wall was decorated with it. And I did not know I was going to drive top fuel. So drag racing, the membership, how many members we, how many people we have with an NHRA member, you know, driving uh, license. It's, it's pretty spectacular. So um, I agree. It's why it's the great American motorsport. I mean, I say it every week on this show and I, and people look at me like I have three heads sometime, but I truly mean everybody understands a drag race, 
right? I mean, you can say that word to anybody and they know what you're talking about. Two cars lining up and racing a set distance. It is, and everybody's done it. Man, woman, child, young, old, uh, male, female. My grandma has pulled up to a stoplight in her Lumina and looked over and thought, you know what? Today's the day, right? And I mean, when, and that is what is so special about our sport. And it sometimes like gets me in my feels a little bit because I think there's so much more out there for us as a whole, right? For, for this sport and the people involved at all levels, especially at the highest levels of our sport, man, there's so much more out there because as soon as you get a taste of this, as soon as you get a, a passing experience at a drag strip, especially when nitromethane's involved, you're interested. Your curiosity has been piqued. Uh, you may not build a car, but you're looking forward to the next time uh, you get to go. So anyways, Tony, thank you so much for your time. Tell your better half hello. We look forward to seeing you this weekend on Thunder Mountain. Best of luck. Maybe you can, maybe this is the moment, right? You repeat of 2008, win all these sons of bitches. Let's just do that. I'm all sweet. I got a good feeling. So I'll tell everyone else it's a secret. Because then they go and they bet on you. I don't want this. I just hey, we're good luck too, Tony. Like it's it's proven we're good luck. Good, we are. Come on this show. (laughs) Not gonna lie, a little bit right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, hey, seriously, Tony, we appreciate your time. Uh, We got to do this again, and I look forward to seeing you this weekend at the NHRA Mile High Nationals, Denver, Colorado. Uh, Take care, buddy. Travel safe. Thank you. See you there. Thanks, thanks, Tony. Have a good one. Hey, guys, while we got a minute here, let's uh, take a second and pay some bills. Uh, I want to remind everybody that each and every episode of the West Bucks show is brought to you by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag shoots and seatbelts to fire suits and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to StroudSafety.com and make sure you tell them we sent you. Stroud. Stroud. Stroud Yeah, that's what we need that added to all of our reads. Stroud. Yeah. Stroud. We'll come up with something. What was yeah, the one on the on the NHRA TV shows that would always? Oh, there was a, one of the Jags. one of the. That yeah. One? Oh yeah. Well, it probably was no. Jags. Jags. Yeah. Jags. Or, or what, Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. Sunday. Oh yeah. 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 Sunday. That's Sunday. Cool. Sunday. Man, how good favorite. is how good is Tony? Man, it's he it's is almost great. Like, it's, it's almost like you take him for granted because he's been around so does. long, and I love the. uh talking about like his career arc and the patience because he started out right the exide car you got to like look back to find these photos man Dude, the had, homeboy drove a jet car he had like he had like suave haircut in a purple and white exide car or whatever and it's like it just looks odd then you're so you're so it's just ingrained in every drag racing fan's brain the army car and how successful that run was then he's out of the sport completely for a couple of years in the fox booth you know looking for a ride the whole time now he's back. So an, another awesome deal that the Maynard family has put together. And he's got a good crew, got a good equipment, a good ride. So uh, looking forward to seeing what he does this weekend. I, I remember seeing Tony uh, and it felt, I, mean, I don't mean to talk out of turn, but he was uh, working for Fox one weekend. I don't know if you remember this, Mike. Uh, I think we talked about it, but he was like a pit reporter and they had him like mm-hmm. wearing the, 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 the belt and the headset and he had a microphone and he was interviewing some people and you could sense that like, this is the last thing that he wants <laughs> right. to be doing. Like right. this was the, such a begrudgingly done thing. But he was good at it. Like he was good at it, but yeah. he also, to me, it just spoke to the willingness of racers to do whatever it takes. I, I say it a lot, but this is a very special 
group of people. I was talking to my dad over the weekend and it's like, I don't know that people really understand how much of drag racing's all that we just talked about, great American motorsport and all this success and all these incredible things that have happened. This community is responsible for that. Like there are not, I don't really, I don't give the credit to NHRA. I don't, I don't give the credit to any like one single person or one single track. It's these racers. Cause this is a unique group of people. One of my favorite stories to tell is rolling through the gates with Mike at the NHRA U S nationals a few years ago in the midst of COVID and walking through those gates and having to get my temperature taken, wearing my mask, the whole bit, having to sign like 75 pages of waivers to go on the property. But they probably thought you had a fever because you're so red. They, you know? <laughs> shut up, JT. I literally have stayed out of the sun and worn sunscreen oh, yeah. for the last okay. week or so. I really you have. Got tired. You got tired of us giving you shit. I'm tired of you guys giving me shit about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I honestly think it's going to lead to like an explosive moment is what's going to happen is you guys are going <laughs> to pop off some comment and then I'm going to knock a Can't bunch. Wait. It's going to be a thing, you know? So I just kind of thought, I'm you know what? I'm going to be the bigger person and I'm going to stay out of the sun a little bit. I'm going to wear some scuns, sunscreen. I'm going to get everybody to get off my case. Um, no, you completely ruined the point I was about to make, JT. I'm just so what you're great at. Yeah. Um, no, my point no, was just that I was so proud of the you yeah. walk into the pits and all these racers who you know are like the most right wing not everyone but like this is a really conservative community this is uh, uh let's say this this community s swings red pretty hardcore and to <laughs> walk onto that. the yeah like just like my face uh you walk into the oh, pits you you said you did that one we didn't even, yeah, we i didn't did even that do one that. you did it yourself self-inflicted wound i'm proud of you right now Wes. <laughs> why self-deprecating humor yeah yeah that's pretty yeah. good yeah. Man. Yeah. however i think self-deprecating humor is a little cheap it's a little easy right they're layup jokes like when you pick on yourself i don't Dude, know I, I, I like layup jokes slam dunk yeah, oh yeah. jokes heated up jokes uh dirty jokes <laughs> Uh, softball jokes, jokes. Uh, really, you, know, yeah. you like them all Shock, yeah you like comedy. them all uh, speaking of huge shout swinging, out speaking of oh, uh God. leaning red eric trump was there that weekend you remember and there was the, yeah dude there were stickers on every car or whatever so yeah it was almost just like another way to show support i know you guys are all posting well, like, to me my point was just that <laughs> to yeah, see sorry, this group sorry. of people who you know would fight a stewardess about wearing a mask <laughs> absolutely right Probably they get did. on a plane the and they're the literally ready to fight about wearing a mask but if they've got to wear a mask to go to the drag strip give it to me yeah give Line me two up. whatever I, right and i just think that that speaks to this community like so many times no matter what nhra does we've seen them make bonehead decisions we've seen them make great decisions i'm just saying it this sport is what it is because of the uniquely passionate group of people that that comprise it i mean the people that go racing will beg borrow and steal to go racing they'll wear a mask when they don't believe in wearing a mask to go racing and i just think that that's kind of why i never really get too worried about tracks going away or whatever things happen because this shit's gonna happen right i mean things things come things They'll adjust, go, sponsors man. come I, things I'm, sponsors I'm kind go of excited to see what nhra does with this swing right. dilemma to figure out what you know is this an opportunity to go to another track to rearrange put the swing at a different part of the schedule i don't know it's honestly one thing that i haven't heard talked about too much and haven't really even considered much um all the things that bandamere going away everything we're talking about that it's going to leave a, a very massive hole in a in a routine schedule uh every calendar year so 
not not NHRA, but do you, we flew out to uh, Woostock, you know, when they had the race with no fans. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. And and I posted a picture of me basically being the only person on the flight with a mask on. And this is before NHRA got back to racing, of course. And I remember getting a text from Royce Freeman said, uh, take that fucking mask off, JT. <laughs> you know, but, but then, but, then it, but he fell in line too, you know? Uh, yeah, you yeah get man. That. I mean, and that's that, at different the, times, I think bandana, drag racing. The bandana was the, yeah, was that was the, the way to go. go. To look like, yeah, for a little I'm bit. complying, but I really yeah. have been pissed off. So I'm gonna wear this pretty sweet like camo bandana, and then just pull it up over my face. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't. Then they, they decided, oh, that. Yeah, they saw that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, you mean you mean this mesh? You, gave me. you mean yeah. this mesh bandana I got with yeah. visible holes in it is not protecting you from COVID? Right. And then of course I, I don't want those you know line steppers where you're just you know where you're pulling it down you know, under your nose. Why are we okay. talking about COVID? Uh, we, let's no let's get past COVID. Yes. Yeah, well, I don't know. My point, and I was trying to give some accolades just to the community, man. I don't know that this group of people gets their due, right? I mean, it's just we're so quick to be like, oh, Wally Parks, oh, NHRA, oh, P all these sanctions this year. And God bless them. Got to have them. But, man, this group of people and what they're willing to go through to go drag racing, I think it's special. I don't know that people would go through what it takes to go drag racing and not be successful in any other walk of life. Like, I don't think you're going to fight the fight that you fight to go drag racing, to go bass fishing. Really don't. I, I just don't think if you had to have a half million dollars worth of equipment, and if you had to work your ever loving tail off to get, just to get the boat in the water, I, I think you're out. I, I think yeah, I people think would opt it. not to do I, it. I agree. I, I think you nailed it. Like regardless of their beliefs or anything, they're like, Ah, screw it. They just swallowed their pride and, you know. That moment, and, and that's the only reason I brought up COVID, is because it's a polarizing thing that affected us all. Everybody on the planet Earth, I believe, was impacted by COVID. And I think it's a, it's a high, it's a point of pride, or it should be, for the sport of drag racing, that we were amongst, like, the first back to action. I think about PDRA. Hell, they never stopped. They just kept having races. Um, you know, the effort that sanctioned series and tracks were going through, hand-washing stations, uh, all the different things that you had to do, different people at the gate because you're taking everybody's temperature. I mean, can you imagine how many of those little head temperature things were sold? I wish oh I would have been. I should have. We should have had that done. Or masks. Dude, Just you're, masks. You're talking, oh, you're no, masks alone. Everybody media. had a mask. You, you, you texted me one time about the social media, and I was doing like <clears throat> beer bongs and taking shots of people, and you're like, JT. You need to take that down. No. Let's run through this real quick. Because what happened was the entire world's on lockdown. This is happening. People aren't yeah. leaving their homes. People oh, are dude. afraid. People are scared. It's free run I mean, of, the, it, of, of town, baby. <laughs> basically. Uh, it, it was a weird, weird time. One day I get on Facebook or whatever, fire up the old newsfeed, scroll like an eight. Like the first one's like prayers for humanity, worried about our society, uh, hope everyone's okay. You know, just you know, still in the hospital. Grandma's not with us anymore. JT is doing something called Irish road bowling. Road bowling. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Irish road bowling with like four hundred people sharing bottles of beer and booze, and I'm like. Beer oh bong. no, bro! You you can't put this on the world wide yeah. web. Like I haven't uh, shaved a mustache for it. Yeah, I mean, I I was really I, oh, yeah. JT. Uh, it it was. Uh, it's on brand. But you know man. what, man? He's consistent. It's on brand. Well, it, yeah, it I was on brand. Like, 
yeah that that uh i mean everybody was off work and i mean it was a yeah it was a pretty you know around <laughs> here i mean like besides covid i mean it was it was a kind of a big party around here you remember no, nobody <laughs> stopped around here i mean everybody just was like yeah well, shit we ain't gotta go to work meet you at the golf course too <laughs> yeah <laughs> remember when everybody was just like uh-huh. like every email you'd get was like you're brave for existing in these times you know, it was things like that. And like, no one had any expe- expectations for anyone or anything. You could do whatever. And it was just like, thank you for being you in these difficult times. That's all you had to do. Isn't it now funny, though, how quick those <laughs> things fade where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah it, it really it's actually kind of like startling. I think about it, that. Cra- like, anytime well, there's some sort of massive on. tragedy or whatever, overnight, we're, you know, mm-hmm. hand in hand, locking arms in it together. But, you know, three hours after problem is solved or resolution uh, is achieved, it's like, screw you, man. Oh. I'm going to do it this way. And, but, yeah, it's so and give it to drag racers, man. We had companies calling us left and right, you know. Oh, we got to put the pause button mm-hmm. on everything. You know, oh, my God, I don't, we don't know what we're going to do. And then two weeks later, they're going, oh, shit. You know, get everything back up. Like, yeah. you know, these racers are buying parts left and right. Like, <laughs> oh, man. All of a sudden, people are left alone, to, left to their own devices. Like, hey, I don't, you know. Yeah, I'm going to work on the whole, car all yeah, day, every day. Yeah, I think we're, the whole industry was up like 30% in 2020. It was nuts. Yeah. It was crazy. No. Was like, yeah. More time to no. drag race, man. More time at home, more time in the garage, more time to race. That's weird. Speaking though, like, of time to race. And sports and, and, and these races, you know, racing yeah. without any crowds and stuff. That's, oh, yeah, that's got to yeah. be. It's wild you know, to look back on. It is really, you know. I mean, I mean, like bracket racers probably. Yeah, yeah, it, they're, but, yeah, yeah, same. Oh. They're JT, that I was a low blow, You're gonna there, get there goes our bracket yeah. racing audience. Yeah, We're I am. No, geez, Louise, man. It, it's right, a participant-driven deal. Joking. Just back up off. Let, let's uh, let's wrap up. Let's talk about Denver. Let's do some predictions. Oh, geez. You know, for Denver and for the entire Western Swing. First off, who we've got a couple people that I feel like are hot going into Denver. Leah Pruitt coming off her first win of the season, uh, defending winner. And the most recent winner on tour always runs well there in top fuel. Matt Hartford, that's another good one. Uh, yeah. Defending event winner and also most recent winner on tour. So you've got some people that have some history of success at Denver that are also getting hot at the right time. Are we going to see anyone sweep the swing is my first question. We ask this every year, and I, I like to get the – I don't the think there is a I personally no. Like if we're going to start with me in 2023, I don't see anyone sweeping the swing. I think to Tony Schumacher's point earlier in the program, there there's nobody that has if if someone were to sweep the swing, I think it would be a historic monumental thing that is talked about for years and years and years because I don't think people I'm not sure that you could pick a team to win three races in a row anywhere on the schedule at any point in time in in mineshaft conditions at you know, sea level. Tony so, said he's going to do it. He did. He just said it. He said he's and he's got some shit figured out. Well, I mean, I, 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 I pick Leah to win. I, I really think Leah Pruitt top is going to win this weekend. She's coming up, you know, defending event winner. That is a team that felt like it was on the cusp of something significant. I think Neil Strasbaugh, the crew chief of that team, is really coming into his own. I think you can see in his interviews and the way he carries himself, he's starting – not that he ever lacked confidence, but you can see when it kind of 
it becomes something more significant. It becomes something more concrete where it's a really part of his belief. It's not something he's telling himself like, oh man, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. It's something that he truly believes that they've got a hot rod and they've got a program that uh, is capable of winning races. So I wouldn't at all be surprised. Matter of fact, my pick to win top fuel this coming weekend at the NHRA Mile High Nationals is Leah Pruitt. I, I think that the success they've had out there, the, the energy and like, mojo that comes from it's your sponsors race you're doing all this media i personally think another west uh, combat sports reference but i've seen it a lot where like fighters all of that media it may seem like a distraction and maybe to some people it is but i also think it gets your head right like you get invested early on you understand the significance of what you're doing you you understand the moment you're more involved in it uh, versus flying in and like being there the morning of Q1. Uh, mm-hmm. for, to the best of my knowledge, Leah's already on property. Like she's already in Denver, Probably, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. She's going to spend a, a week mm-hmm. yeah, doing sponsor engagements, doing local media. And I can't help but feel as much of a burdensome and at times tiresome task as that can be, just being in the moment like that and being really immersed in the event I, I see it as a true advantage. So well, it's interesting too to acclimate to the to air. I think yeah, that, that was interesting that Tony that, to said honest. that. I honestly had not thought about that too much, but it will hit you. I remember our first World Series of Pro Mod. We, we were having uh, like what, what the uh, racer appreciation cocktail hour in the top eliminator deal. And after you yeah. climb up all those stairs, you just landed there. One drink is actually like two drinks in Denver. <laughs> We jt's an out. expert in this what do you think the what's actual the what's the math what's the ratio JT? Boy, i don't know because uh, it'll get you man yeah it, it is it, two it or is, three to different. one it has to be yeah dude i had just landed i remember uh um kale took me up to red rock amphitheater remember that yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah i had just or not landed i just had, had showed up and he like pulls up in a car driven across in. the country you mean yeah yeah he's like jump in and he goes up to show me this and he's like running up the steps and then he's like finally I'm going, whoa, what the hell? You know, like I wasn't used to it at all. And then he turns around and goes, whoa, we need to slow down. I forgot that you're not used to this, you know, but, <laughs> and, and I'm glad that Tony brought that up about yeah. uh, the driver and the crews, you know, have, having to, to deal with that as well. So, um, cause it is, it's, it's way different. And it, uh, I will it tell you so, so weird when you're like, when you're drinking. Yeah. Like <laughs> so weird when you're, uh, JT's like, I like it. I kind of <laughs> like the way it makes me much feel. more efficient. Uh, yeah. Who's your guys' pick for uh, top fuel? I, I pick Leah Pruitt. Is anybody going to uh, argue with me? Yeah. I'll take She's got to be the hot pick. I think Tony made a good case today. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what he does. Of course, Justin Ashley is running well. It's as you start to go through the list, I've got it pulled up right here, the, the points list. You do start to see, man, there is no clear separation anymore. Mm-hmm. And any separation that you do get, I was thinking about this with the talking about, uh, running away with the points or running away with the championship or like uh, reinfusing some interest in the regular season, you almost feel like you don't want to get run out to a huge points lead or run so hard in the regular season, just like NBA, like load management, because it's going to reset. So you can have the, you know, back in the day, you wanted to get the biggest lead possible, go to Indy, like Tony was saying, to have such an insurmountable lead going into those last handful of races of the year that, you know, you've only got a couple of guys that that can do anything from that point. But when we've seen this with Steve Torrance, he's he's been the victim of this more than anybody. Where you run out to such a huge lead, then it all gets compacted. Um, Maybe Steve's how do gonna you, do it the opposite way this, this well, time. Well, no, so, I mean, but yeah. what does that do to the regular season? Yeah, does it does it 
allow i mean tony made a good point there they're pulling parts out of cars that they know working and kind of let's go find another batch that works and a different tune-up that works with that set of parts during the regular season um you know what's your take on that wes as far as what these playoff formats have done to the regular season excitement I'm, I'm, I meant that when I said it earlier that I don't ever want to do anything to like downplay or disparage the regular season, but I think you're hundred percent right, Mike. Like, I don't know that it's, I actually find it problematic and you see other sports like trying to do something to combat that. I mean, the NBA just like over the weekend announced their first in season tournament tournament that'll put take place next year. And I do think that in this day and age where fans have a gazillion people in general have a gazillion different options, you've got to find a way to bring some level of consequence, some significance or meaning to an event. Otherwise, you do run the risk of it just being another game, you know, uh, or ensure that your stars game. are going to be there playing. That's what the NBA is having the problem of uh, guys buy tickets or season tickets or whatever. And, you know, you've marked that one game on the calendar where your favorite road teams come into town. Oh, and all the stars are sitting out. It's the, oh, you're on the second night of a back to back. And it's MLB's all the same way, players. you know, like, you, you you get tickets, you take your kid, you know, and then his his favorite player isn't playing, mm-hmm. you know, that night, just going to rest, you know. Yeah. I mean, happens a lot because yeah. these seasons are so it long, does. you know. And you know, drag racing, of course, you know, I guess the, every race is a little bit more mean, meaningful than a lot of those games. I think you have more of your sports. Yeah. You're not going to actually rest, obviously, right? But you may. But you do hear about teams like saying that back they're it testing. off a little bit, and yeah. that that type of stuff would would prob would be problematic for me. Like as a promoter, Cause you're just trying to get in the show, right? Like, yeah, because yeah, it's like right. I got to stay close, got to stay right. within striking distance, and that's why a couple of weeks ago people thought I was crazy when I said that I still think Erica Enders will win the championship this year. Like I, I am not say, at all concerned say, about that. I, I, would, I think I'll that they're going to pick her to sweep. I'll pick her to sweep. Well, and I was going to bring up Pro Stock next because there's a unique challenge that exists at Pro Stock in Pro Stock in Denver that I believe doesn't exist elsewhere, uh, and it's the amount of changes they make to gear ratios in those cars. When you're at that altitude, you have such little air, you're way down on power, so the only way to speed the car up is with gear ratio. So you're seeing guys and gals, excuse me, have to make that one-two gear change in less than a second, and that is a considerable difference in versus where they race everywhere else on the circuit. And I think that you're going to see, and that's why in my opinion, Alan Johnson was dominating uh, a dominating force in in Denver. And you saw Matt Hartford have success there. And it, it takes a a veteran driver to really Mm -hmm. have success in pro stock on thunder mountain. So if there is a pro stock team, in my opinion, that is, capable of sweeping the swing it's going to be a, a real deal wheel man or wheel woman that has to do it it's not going to be somebody that's dipping their toe in the water or running a couple of races a season that's not the folks that are going to have success at that event and i challenge people be listening it's fun in denver whether you're on the ground or watching you're going to hear drivers hitting the rev limiter on that one two gear change and it's a it, it, it junks the run essentially but it's still it's a nuance that if you have the trained ear and you're a student of the game, you appreciate that that difference that you see there in the challenge that pro stock teams are facing at that particular event. Uh, kind of continuing along those lines, going back to the regular season playoff thing. Do you think that that could that be rectified? Maybe rectified is not the right word, guy, word guys, but if if the 
purse money was more significant or more part of the storyline, do you think that that could make some of these early seasons season races a little more significant if we were talking about how much money is up for grabs or something like that? What do you guys think the NHRA trying- could do to add some sizzle to these regular yeah, season that's, races? That's because because- that's, that's why they do that is so that you don't have somebody that three quarters away through the season has it locked up. Correct. So yes. it's a double-edged sword. So you're, 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 you're running it this way so that you try to get some of the best racing. And it's worked. See to, kudos at, to NHRA. At, at the, it's worked. The We've, you know, it always but comes it down to the last race. off down here because you know, you're just wanting to stay close. You want to stay up in there, you know, so that you, so that you can make the field, you know, for that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Well, like, some of these, what, what some of these you, what in-season like car, shootouts. What if you did like car points that went the whole yeah. season or something like that? You know. Well, well they've done yeah. some of these things: the the shootout deals, the specialty deals, double right. point races. I think are all like little attempts at at sort of rectifying some of this stuff, but it does come down to purse. I don't I think like if you if you races. also added in like double purse for a couple races, that yeah, you may get. You know, some of these marquee you regular know you season have some races. swag when you got double purses. Yeah. Part of me was wondering if the like the mission foods too fast, too tasty challenge, mm-hmm. 100% designed to bring a little bit of added competition and added significance to these events in 2023. And I think that deal has been fairly well executed. However, I find it somewhat confusing. I mean, oh, I know yeah. it's not confusing, right? The guys from the semifinals of the race prior race it's not confusing i i'm i want to make it clear that i'm not confused by it maybe it's just not explained casual fan is i feel probably doesn't even know that it's happening or minimally knows that it's happening and i and i thought about this i just wonder if that money would have been better spent pouring it on the top and i know that no one wants to hear that because we want everybody to get paid and everybody wants a trophy but You've got to find a way to ramp up the consequences. I, I know folks have heard me say this before, but Bruton Smith, uh, God rest his soul, uh, and God bless him for all that he contributed to the sport of drag racing, but I remember w- w- the only conversation I ever had with the man, admittedly, interviewing him for Drag Illustrated Magazine, he told me that he was always a proponent for a massive gap between, number one, who wins and who runners up. You know, like It needs to be massive. And I know that that's not well received by many like i i know everybody wants a taste and Mm -hmm. you got a lot of bread to butter out here but man it is really hard to make it to make it sizzle and to make it have some oomph and to get people fired up speaking speaking of which what about the up there though between the first and second you know then then they're throwing everything at it you know so agreed what about the post-covid uh championship payouts that we're seeing in nhra and getting those back up to those pre-COVID levels so that there is that significant monetary reward for winning an NHRA championship. What are they right now? Are, are they, I don't still, know the exact numbers, below, but I know like, they're not published. They got, you know I mean? That's part. I mean, so you're waiting to see a check at the end of the year. Um, from what I understand, I think pro stock as an example was like 250. top fuel and funny car were both 500,000. Um, those have all been halved or less, you know, during COVID they were, eighth maybe yeah you know yeah. like massively reduced um and they're they seem knows, to be moving not, that way to where they were yeah, they're they're no, not no. back up to where they were and i think that there is a that's crap it's a tough thing in my opinion because i do feel we see like look at mountain motor pro stock and i'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus here but these folks are basically ready to crawl across broken glass to race in front of the crowd that nhra mm-hmm. has to offer and we've always said 
full grandstands are perhaps the ultimate difference maker for a racer. They want to compete. It's no different than any athlete, any competitor, any artist. You'd much rather play a show in front of a packed out, you know, venue or theater than sing in front of your mom and your dad. Right. I mean, you, you want a crowd. And I think that we see racers like this Mountain Motor Pro Stock Group. They're the they're the example that exists right now. They are so eager to race in front of a crowd that they'll basically race for nothing in order to do so. And I think that the NHRA is in this unique position where they are best in class when it comes to event production. Right. I mean, as far as uh, running a race, keeping things on schedule. They're the best in class when it comes to safety safari and consistency of track prep. They're, they're, they're best in class, best television package. I mean, they're best in class in so many ways, best in class when it comes to fan turnout, right? Multiple sellouts to start the season every year for the last couple of years, we've been talking about sellout crowd here, sellout crowd there. It's been said that this year at the NHRA Gator Nationals in Florida, that may well have been the largest crowd in the history of drag racing. So NHRA has all this, they have it by the tail. And I think if they could find a way to meet all of that or, or bring to add to all of that, what will come from big money? Because every sport that exists talks about money. The money gets talked about. I mean, it, it, in UFC, I love using this example and I apologize for the people that tire of it, but I think there's so much to learn from these emerging sports. And that's why I pay attention to them. These sports that are a little bit earlier in their life cycle, there's a lot to, to learn. And even if it's not publicized, everybody knows like what the pay-per-view buys were, what people were getting paid. Matter of fact, the athletic commissions actually report what all the guaranteed purses were. Like you get 10,000 to show up, 10,000 to 12,000 to fight, 12,000 to win. You get 500,000 to fight, another 500,000 to win. I was going back to the NBA in-season tournament when I was reading the report on, I think it was like, I have been on Wall Street Journal, I'm not sure. But anyways, I was reading the breakdown of it. They talk about the winning team, each player gets $500,000. Like there no one, the, JT, the golf game between Steph Curry and uh, Patrick Mahomes, like the purse, the money, like wheel of fortune, celebrity wheel of fortune. The money's talked about. Like money, yeah. unfortunately, is a needle mover in our sport. I go back to Bandamere Speedway 2017, the first ever Drag Illustrated World Series of Pro Mod. JT and I went on a days-long tour to radio stations, local gas stations and whatnot, trying to promote the race. And the ultimate difference maker, and I think JT will back me up, is as soon as you took – it wasn't Pro Mod. It wasn't Drag Illustrated. It wasn't Nitrous or Turbo or Blower. But when you start saying that it's 100000 to win, winner take all – yeah, people pay attention. And I think that that's, to be honest, I don't think you can even go lower than 100,000 in 2023. Like all the pro classes, I mean, I know I'm probably digging a hole here with NHRA, but you got to race for big money. You have to. That's like what, if you want to compete, that's what makes you a professional. Yeah, man. I mean, you it have does. to find it a does. way. Because how can you call yourself a professional sport if someone can't really earn a living doing it? Yeah. No professional athlete in any other sports going out there and doing it for chump change. They're not doing it or, help. or paying out, to do it. They're setting out of camps or setting out. Yeah. I mean, it just ain't happening, you know, <laughs> just setting out of camp. I mean, and it's funny <laughs> because there are people that believe the NHRA has no responsibility to their race teams as far as like funding them. And I don't know that the NHRA should fund all the teams, but I do think you have to create an environment where there's a pathway to success, right? There's a way like if to you want sustain, to be a professional sport, not fund to, yeah, to get sustain. to entry, but reward and sustain the the teams that get in there and do have success. I think that would be 
the way I would look at it. And it has to be. I mean, your teams have to, if you want these guys to be professionals, because here's the, and this is the, we could probably do a whole episode. Maybe not sustain, maybe, maybe supplement. Because it's still I think it take has to be more than supplement. I mean, look at NASCAR. Right. That ain't yeah. supplementing. But it's those teams, now. the, I mean, I mean, that, I mean, those payouts now for HRA though, are not, that's just like a match on a forest fire. 100%. You know I mean? it's, it's and I think not, that that's a problem. Yeah. And I know that like, you start talking about a company like an HRA, it's like a hundred million dollar annual company. I have to believe there's a, there's a pathway there. There there's a way because the, the racers, man, not to go down the rabbit hole of this whole thing, but like they got a lot of leverage over there. I mean, there, there's not that many top fuel cars in the world. There's not that many funny cars in the world. There's not that many pro stock cars in the world. Like you, they don't have, it's not like NHRA can run this whole group off and just go get a new crop of racers. Like that's not the case they, they need this piece. And I've said it before, but it needs there's to be an equally there. yoked relationship where there's money. Again, there those guys right? don't, I believe there is, I believe there, there is be, gotta be right. I and mean, and, I, and I, I in other sure. sports, they strike. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's complicated. We've, yeah, we've, we've talked about this a bunch. I, I think we could dedicate a whole show to it, but interesting to think about how it relates to the, to the regular season. And as we see these other sports start to try to get creative, if you paid it's, it's, a hundred thousand like with their playoffs. Now they got to go back and get creative with the regular season. It's, it's interesting, right? I do. And I think, but I got to tell you, if I'm in HRA, I'm laying awake at night trying to figure out a way to come up with six and a half million dollars. That's, and, and I don't think that's a big number. Like, I mean, it's a big number, but if you paid a hundred thousand to win, top fuel, a million. Yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> if you want to pay a hundred thousand to win in top fuel, funny car and pro stock, right. Right. In each of those classes, 22 races, basic math, that's $6.6 million, right? $300,000 a race, 22 races, six, let's just say six and a half million dollars. I think if that were the case, I think, I think the racers would help you find it. You know what I mean? I think that they have enough of a network that they would say, hey, wait, all the races are going to pay 100 grand to win? I, I think overnight you get a totally different level of buy-in, a totally different level of commitment. And when you start talking about a company that's a $100 million company, I think you can find six. I think you could probably find 10 you know, and make it lucrative to qualify again you know, on, on beyond just you know, like pay for nitro, quote, lucrative. Like, but actually like a meaningful thing that's where we're going to have to get because everything goes back to that because you can't get a killer TV package. You can't get paid for your TV rights. If you don't have the best teams in the world, they're running. I mean, we've got teams right now sitting sessions out. Yeah. Say no more. Right. I mean, can you, can you imagine an athlete on a baseball team saying like, I'm going to sit this at bat out. You know, I don't want to wear out my shoulder. You know what I mean? There's not enough to gain here for me to just, they do. you know, load right? management I mean, in the nba yeah. it's the same kind of the same thing that's what they're yeah. trying to prevent with this thing so back to full circle back to what we full circle were originally talking about but no it's uh it's a very 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 interesting situation and i i mean by all accounts again i i don't mean any of this to be at all like super negative it's just a conversation that needs to be had and i think has to be had and we got to talk about these things keep it at the forefront because there is more out there for this sport like tony I didn't expect that from him to for him to like go on because you think sometimes that top fuel racers, funny car racers, and there are those that are a little disconnected from the realities and from the rest of the sport because they've only really operated in that environment. But when you talk about someone like Tony Schumacher, who grew up going to the racetrack, right, and grew up in a racing family, they understand 
how big this community is and maybe have a little bit different or, or better perspective, I think. And to hear him go on a tirade about how special this sport is and how as a motorsport, so accessible, drive your minivan on the race. You can go, I mean, JT can go bracket race his truck if he wanted to, right? You race can your race rental, anything, your, race, your rental car, race, race your rental car, race your rental car in reverse. I mean, there's so many ways to get involved in drag racing actively, like be a racer. And to think about how much our sport has to grow, how much, how many opportunities exist for us right now. I mean, we're in a weird situation where our pro league isn't really, isn't pay, getting paid like, lump sums or large sums of money for their television rights. I mean, that every other sport lives and dies by their TV rights program, right? I mean, that's why you hear them talked about for years and years and years. You see these multi-year deals made. I mean, NHRA, in my opinion, has to find a way to get paid for their TV, paid to be on TV. That is, that's the next step, or that's the and most their significant their TV step. Is, is, is so much better anymore. You know, like it, oh, it, yeah. it's, it's, it, it is, it's pretty damn good. You know, it really is. You know, I think that the answer is ultimately going to be, and it's going to be some sort of reality show. Well, if, it is. Cause we gotta, we gotta, we gotta make these people celebrities period. 100%. You know, how much and I know that the switching gears here. in the pits and everything, you know, I know that's great, but we've got to treat them like they're, they're, that they're just complete celebrities almost, you know, I, I, I really do. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I think that it's one of those things where perception is reality Absolutely. and we have to treat these guys and gals like rock stars, like yep. superstar athletes. And, and we have them. I mean, Brittany Forrest is being is nominated for an ESPY this year alongside Max Verstappen. You know, I mean, perhaps the most visible person in all of motorsports, um, a legit badass making millions and millions and millions of dollars driving the Red Bull Formula One car. Britney Force is being mentioned in the same breath as him. And if you talk about the realities of those two situations, how far <laughs> apart they are, it, 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 it frustrates me personally. And I, it frustrates me because I know what drag racing represents. And I know there are more people drag racing at any, I mean, city streets, uh, podunk race tracks, national event tracks. I mean, there are so many folks that have at least a passing interest or passing knowledge of our sport or what it means. I just sometimes wonder how is it, how can it be that someone like Tony Schumacher is on the sidelines for two or three years because he doesn't have a sponsor. Yeah. That's not, you know, it really is an interesting thing, man. All right. So favorite Bandomir stories, let's do that. Uh, Before we do that, be thinking about it for a moment, guys, our favorite Bandomir memories, JT, I know you've got a couple of barn burners. Um, I've got some that I'm excited to share, but I'd like to remind everybody that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com. Guys, uh, again, I, I think it would be more fun. This is like a celebration of life versus a funeral. Eh? Let, let's, let's talk about all the incredible things that have happened at Bandamir Speedway over the years. Uh, JT, I, I think one of my all-time favorite moments, top in golf. Top oh, in yeah. golf with Kale and Cody yeah. Crisp. Uh, yeah, top from in the party. golf. This is a yeah. new variation. Yeah. yeah. yeah top golf. golf. Top in yeah. golf. Top golf. Yeah. Top in golf. Yeah. He, uh, uh, they know I love golf, so they – and they love golf, and they have a little range set up on the uh, mountain there. And 
we were having our uh, racer appreciation party and he pulls up in the van with a one of those uh portable light you know with the generator gas you know, power port yeah 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 and uh says come on let's go and so we we head up there and i i didn't even have time to tell you guys where i where i went you know yeah, yeah you guys are like freaking out like you. where the hell did jt go yeah but uh yeah i went up there we hit golf balls and you guys found us and hit some golf balls too or west i did a great job at it i'm so yeah, i got video yeah, man balls go further yeah. up there on the mountain i think i was driving like 350 consistently uh-huh <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> what did you uh that very night i don't know if you remember speaking of like uh camry caruso best known now as an nhra pro stock driver uh reigning uh nhra rookie of the year well, she was the one who uh, disappeared. I, I had been loaned for the weekend by the Bandemir family a one of those rowdy side by sides. Yeah, which yeah. they probably shouldn't have loaned to me. And she was, it was like flying through the pits and it. Wasn't yeah, crazy. yeah. So my phone rings. It's like eleven o'clock at night, and it's Sporty Bandemir, and I'm like, I wonder what's you know, I, you know, what's Sporty calling me at eleven o'clock at night? I mean, granted, granted, I figure something's going on at the races. I answer it. Hey, Wes. Uh, do you are you riding around on uh, Kale and Cody's uh, side by side? I'm like, nah, man. It's parked out in front of uh, the top end club, top eliminator club. Why? He's like, eh, are you sure? And I'm like, well, I mean, that's where I left it. And he's like, well, I've gotten multiple calls about it zipping through the pits at like 70 and 80 miles an hour. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no way, really? Uh, so I go outside to where I, I said, well, let me go get it. I'll like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the one I'm driving. So I go outside of the top eliminator club and sure enough, sure enough, it's gone. Right. And so I start looking around and somebody, I don't know who it was, was like, I'm pretty sure Camry got on it and Camry, uh, daughter of Mark Caruso is one of our world series of pro mod invitees and who has done what I think to be one of the greatest burnouts of all time. Another memorable moment out there on thunder mountain. But, uh, yeah, Camry, she, she'd taken it. She was cruising around, you know, no big deal. Just grabbing coffee, running around and whatnot, I guess, at Mach 3. And uh, I had to take the keys from Coffee, from fireball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was no telling, man. What a moment. What I a think moment, she was, man. Wasn't she up there, too, when we were hitting balls? I can't remember. Probably. No, yeah, I mean, and that, that, if you that, think about it, you know, that drink ratio thing starts, starts yeah. uh, working in. Like, no, it's just my old age. What about the, uh, <laughs> the jetpack guy? Oh, yeah, a pro mod. yeah this was a this was a, a great that deal. video went viral yeah, yeah it, it went viral jt was super proud of that because i think it was your video right yeah that was what to get man. like five million views for those that don't know um uh what the the, what's the name of the energy drink um, uh apollo uh, apollo no. no that was his name that's the gum that yeah, was the caffeine sponsored the race was it the same Go fast energy drink. Yeah, go, um, fast. go fast sponsored uh, this dude with a jet pack. And it's like the craziest thing. And seeing him fly that thing down the quarter mile was pretty spectacular. JT got an epic video of him making a shakedown run, right? Because he had to make yeah. a couple of test passes before he did the actual uh, do the dance. Yeah. And he flies up in the sky, takes off. JT ends up putting a video on Facebook, I think. And didn't Lil Wayne, yeah, share it or something? Lil Wayne shared it. Social yeah. media viral content. Yeah. And next thing I know, JT's like, dude, this thing's got like two or three million views, and I got people calling me wanting to buy rights to the video. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we were like yeah, negotiating we're like, oh, how's rights that fees. Yeah, yeah, seventy-two dollars, baby. The, yeah, any one little thing goes wrong with that guy. Oh man, That's, it's scary to think about that, man. 
Um, all right. Is. So more, more band moments. Do we, do they have to be like personal or just no. racing? Let's talk some racing Ooh, moments. Back to, back to pro stock oh, and talking yeah. about pro stock always puts on a show on the mountain. I feel like, uh, because of these things that you talked about, but two great staging duels, not burn downs, staging duels happened fairly recently at Bandemir. Wes knows what I'm talking about. You got the Warren Johnson, Dave Connolly staging duel, 2005. You remember this one, Wes? Oh, yeah. And then the Alan Johnson, uh, Larry Morgan staging duel, where Larry knocked off Alan. That was probably the more epic one, where Larry or Alan Johnson had dominated the mountain for like two decades. Years. Like he was like unbeatable. With his with his hemi combination when they went to the mountain, and so Larry Morgan in like a upstart operation, right? I mean, this was not. I think they had just put that operation together like mid season or something. Yeah, goes up there, goes to the finals against Alan Johnson. They get in this epic like minutes long staging duel, and then uh, Larry Morgan gets the whole shot on Alan and beats him to to take down the king of the mountain. Was that not epic? And I just think, I mean, I just feel like pro stock. You got to bring a little something extra up there. It becomes a little bit more of a driver's race, it seems like, uh, to your point about the gear ratios and having to shift earlier um, and all the other variables that are in there. But Pro Stock's always put on a good show on the mountain. I think Pro Stock has stolen the show out there on many occasions for several years. I mean, it's like it, it really does. It brings something extra out of these guys and gals. And But fuel racing, I go back to one of the most memorable moments for me was Matt Hagen, I believe 21, winning on Thunder Mountain and really having this star turn. If you remember, he climbed out of the car, he jumps out of the, the escape hatch on the top of the, over on the roof of the body, grabs the camera, is like yelling. And I, I felt like it was one of those moments where a guy really, a racer, an athlete, someone who has achieved so much, multi-time world champion, but had never really like been put over, you know, became like, but it was his real star breakout moment. And we've kind of seen him maintain that ever since. I felt like that was the, one of the first times we really got to see this this big, larger-than-life character when he had something of his own kind of John Force top-end moment. And that, that was an all-time favorite for me. I think about just the picturesque nature of Bandemir, the fact that they run the cars at night. We get to see the classic header flames. We, their the sunsets. efforts, the sunsets there. The behind the mountain and the grandstands. It's really unbelievable. I guess I'll go to year one of the World Series of Pro Mod 2017. Mike Bowman scores the win. I remember walking. I, I got to tell you a couple things. Pete Farber in his Dodge Daytona was the first person to crack a tire at Bandemir Speedway during testing at the World Series of Pro Mod. We tested for two full days on Wednesday and Thursday before we began the actual event on Friday. And I'll never forget being down in the water box. I just filmed a selfie video or whatever. That was at like the height of, of West selfie videos. And I remember seeing Pete Farber and that red charger, <clears throat> Daytona, excuse me, under the, under the, the tower there and just felt, I, I'm still a little taken aback by it because you think, for me at that time of that first race, I think we had 18 cars that showed up to the first world serial mod. And I think about how far so many of these folks traveled. I mean, Pete Farber coming from Boston, Massachusetts had traveled across the country. Mike Janis had traveled from, from New York across the country. You think about how far some of these folks came to be a part of that event. And I remember being there and just, it was the most validating thing 
I, I think I'd ever experienced because there was a lot of people who had been involved in making that moment a reality. Like I point to those racers, perhaps above all, but going all that way out west, the Bandemir family, right? 100,000 to win, winner take all, no entry fee. We charge no entry fee, free testing, right? Like all the things that we did to make it racer centric and to make it make sense for the racers and to see that group of people believe in us the way they did and come out and cast their vote with their time and their energy and their money. It was probably one of the most surreal experiences of my life. Fast forward a couple days later after two days of testing, epic qualifying Friday night, uh, the whole bit, watching the deal come to conclusion on Saturday night in front of a significant crowd. I think we sold like almost 7,000 tickets to the first race, the first ever race, which we had a ton of help. We had local radio stations that had gotten involved. Pepsi Cola had gotten involved. O'Reilly's had gotten involved. Sure. No, not O'Reilly's. Napa. Coors Go had fast. gotten involved. Go Fast Energy Drink One had cure. tickets and coupons and all their uh, all sorts of gas yeah, stations Coors in had the gotten area. Involved. I mean, that's right there. It's just cool enough for the whole deal. Just say that Coors... Coors was involved. I mean, just really helping in in any way they could. I felt like a significant pull, like from the local community, and they they were trying. They were pulling on the rope with us. If you're JT, Cures. If you're JT, and uh, that night, walking to the starting line with that championship belt on my (laughs) shoulder, knowing that I was going to put it around somebody's waist in in a few short minutes. It was still, it was just a surreal moment to think about, all right, somebody's about to win $100,000, more money that's ever been, than has ever been paid to a pro mod racer, a door slammer racer at that time than ever in history. It, it was such a significant moment. And then for it to be Mike Bowman, right? This guy that's like a do-it-yourself or mad scientist, no logos on the side of the car, just this beautiful maroon 69 Chevelle twin turbo car he'd been through matter of fact he was a late addition he was somebody that i wanted to come but who had kind of you know wavered wasn't sure if he wanted to do it next thing i know a couple of weeks before the race lets me know that he's calling mark mickey and buying transmissions buying converters making gear ratio changes ordering a cam changing head gaskets all these different different things there's uh there's bowman right there uh that was just such a moment to me uh, because there were teams there that were more resourced, more experienced, had been, you know, had had competed at that level uh, more so than Mike had at that point in time. And to see him and just a humble, soft spoken, good old boy. He's not really he's like the California cool dude, really not a good old boy. He's a California cool guy. And I just thought that was such a it was so fitting for Mike Bowman to win the first World Series of Pro Mod the very next year. Carl Stevens Jr. going up against my dear friend, uh, business mentor Danny Rowe in the final, this turbo versus roots blower deal, uh, old Camaro, 69 Camaro versus 2019 Camaro, like all these different things. Uh, Carl was kind of this uh, outlier in the pro mod ranks, a guy that was eager to come out and try his hand on Thunder Mountain, see what he could do, ended up winning the race. Uh, being that, I just remember like going to the motorhome after the final changing out of my, you know, our fancy shirts and slacks or whatever I was wearing, putting on, you know, gym shorts, a t-shirt and some flip-flops and walking down to the starting line and, you know, Alicia popping open a bottle of champagne and hitting Carl in the face with the cork. Remember that? (laughs) Like right in the face, he gets hit with the cork and those moments with Carl and his dad, uh, that was incredible. Like, and then in 2019, when the late Scotty O, Scotty Oaksis, uh, went on to win the race, 
kind of came out of left field. Jeff Pierce tune in the car. Very impressive from the onset, right? And then that one was particularly special because probably my all-time favorite band of mere memory was jumping in the passenger uh, section, right? <laughs> the floor plan of uh, that Mustang and riding to the top end with, with Scotty and seeing him lose his mind uh, about winning the race and how much it meant to him crying his boys with him. Uh, it was just such an incredible moment. And it was pretty cool to like ride in a twin turbo pro mod down the track, driving it like a streetcar. right? We're down on the big end, trying to back it around and turn around and get, get how you guys wanted us for the photo shoot. And just, that's the special part of all this stuff is the joy and the emotion it brings out of people. Uh, it's, it's literally my favorite thing in the world. And it's why I'm so glad to be back putting on big races because there's just nothing quite like the electricity that exists before. I, I remember after, during I remember and after a final. You cried. <laughs> yeah. I cried pretty much the whole time I was in Vandermeer. <laughs> that moment seemed. I'm, you guys were around but like i remember vividly where i was everything every moment of cooking up the world series of pro mod idea like it was a rain out adrl drag stock had been relocated to zmax dragway outside of charlotte north carolina um tim mccamus was the president of the adrl at the time uh I felt ProMod was in this weird moment. The NHRA series was kind of floundering, not doing what it had normally done or what it had been previously. The ADRL wasn't what it had previously been. And there was, it felt to me like there was an opportunity that existed out there somewhere, right? That this, there, there was more for this particular brand of racing. And I remember cooking up the whole world series of ProMod concept, invite only, winner take all, big purse, the way we were going to promote it, boxing, you know, the, the way we were going to go about it. And then to have it actually happen, yeah, hell yeah, I was crying. I was crying the whole time because I never believed that it would actually happen. I knew it could happen. Yeah. And I awesome. knew what would happen if it could, if it yeah. did. But I mean, you guys got to think about it. I mean, we were, I mean, I went to college for 14 days on two separate efforts. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm a from small town Missouri, right? And here we are on at what is we're on this show talking to thousands and thousands of people about how Bandamere is like this iconic facility. We put on a race there. Yeah. Three years it in is. a row. We had keys that, to the castle. I mean, I, it, it was such that, that, a, that facility is so awesome for like, me. If, if I hope that, I hope that, uh, someone that's a huge fan, I hope that they do get to go this week, you know, and, yeah. and, and experience it because it's, it's, like no other. And well, they've got the rest of their schedule the rest of the year. Right. Right. Am I correct? But, this is not, so yeah. they're, they're going to finish out the year. So you've got more opportunities, but yeah, it's going to be special, man. I remember talking about, is this the right place? You know, honestly looking for a partner um, for the, for the first world series of pro mod. And we looked for an organization, a family, a track that was turnkey and that had it all together and that we could come in. Cause we had no experience at that time. I can remember talking to you about this Wes and saying I think that we need to lean on people that are, so good at this and know what they're doing and can kind of get us pointed in the right direction. We can learn some things. And I think we learned a lot that we've now applied to, uh, to the world series of pro mod like this past year. So, um, it was a learning experience, positives, ups and downs, but man, it was, it was a no brainer to, to partner with the Bandamir family and to have the first world awesome, series of pro mod. Awesome, there. awesome family. Like, and, and I think it's a, like a lesson for everybody out there. Is it like, especially early on, 
lean on, lean on experts, lean on the people that have been there, right? Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't try to do it all yourself because there are tons of tracks and places and people in this country that know what they're doing. Have been well, and most tracks will be, sure, if you yeah. came with this idea, like, yeah, sure. Just tell us what date we'll get out of the way. Yeah. And that's <laughs> it. And you're left to figure everything else out, which can be okay. If you know what you're doing, we had no clue what we're doing. Well, and it just takes so much. You, the things that you don't think about a lot of times when you put on a race or like the outside world, I think they're going, all right, man, how do we come up with the money? Well, that is, is such a, a it's a, obviously a significant part of it, but it's really just one piece of the puzzle. It may be a big one, but I mean, it's like, who's going to park all these rigs? Who's going to, you know, all these things. What if the timing system screws up? Like what, there's so many variables at a drag race and an outdoor live event that it takes an army. It's not something, I mean, I don't know that I, I remember the phrase and it's still used today, like suitcase promoters. I don't know that that's really a possibility or at least being successful as that in this day and age, because uh, it takes an army. You're not going to be able to do it all yourself. Yeah, or at maybe, least maybe not for a small event or something. Yeah, maybe yeah. so. You know, but it, it yeah. takes a, a significant dance partner. And I, I still point to, I think, Bandamere Speedway. If somebody could, if we could dig that son of a gun out of the side of that mountain <laughs> and take it like east of the Mississippi. Would I be think the same, man. Would it wouldn't be the same. Be the same. It wouldn't be the same. all go go together. That's why it's special. So, if you're if you're anywhere in the Midwest West area, Mountain West area, go to Bandamere this weekend. Yeah, man, we'll be there. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm excited, man. There's a lot of stuff going on right now in the sport. A lot of uh, we got some major announcements coming in the next couple of weeks. It's just exciting times. It really is exciting times in the sport of drag racing, man. And we and just a you know, not to say we left, but man, there's so many things that we could be talking about. You know what I mean? It's, I feel that every way, every week on this show, we, we finish up, we, we, we pull the shoots, call it a day. And it's like, oh man, we didn't talk about this. No prep shootout, this no time deal, this pro mod race, that nostalgia, funny car race. I mean, there's so many things going on in the sport of drag race. And I think we're living in the good old days. Thank you guys a bunch for uh, being a part of it here today. Thank all of you guys for tuning in of course thanks to all of our sponsors here on the west buck show flowracing.com racers club redline synthetic oil stroud safety and aeromotive fuel systems we appreciate you all we couldn't do it without you guys uh what else we got closing that's comments it, you got anything all right that's it i think that's it man hey Jay, wait, wait, wait mike you met richard petty yesterday you didn't no, even talk about yesterday. It. last week wasn't it oh yeah, it was okay. last actually week? that was like oh, two okay. weeks ago yep oh no joke yeah. i just i just found out about it i guess yeah i, I went up there yesterday. Uh, pretty cool deal, man. Uh, Pat Musi's got a motor in a build that they're doing at Petty's Garage, and it was actually on Richard Petty's birthday. I, it wasn't his actual birthday. It was his birthday party at Petty's Garage. So we got to be a part of that, tour around. Uh, really cool deal, man. And I think Richard, somehow he looks like he's like looks younger than I do or something. It's like this man <laughs> never ages. So pretty cool deal. Did you have to wear his hat? No, no. Yeah, I, I would never... I think that's the one thing you're not supposed to do. Yeah, maybe, the king maybe. is asked to wear his hat. Well, yeah, you just can't do that to any cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed oh, to do that man. to any cowboy. Don't even touch their hat. You'll get into a fight. I actually bought my first cowboy I know hat down here in Fort Worth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh in my I went to uh, a place in Weatherford, Texas called uh Teskies and bought my first cowboy hat, right? And the lady, this super sweet old gal was the person helping me find a hat that fit. Right. And I get this thing down on my head or whatever. And she looked at me and she goes, now, listen, if anybody ever touches that tries to take it off your head, you're expected to fight them. 
I mean, this is like a 70-year-old woman looking at me dead in the eyes, and she meant it. Someone takes it from you, takes it off your head, or tries to wear it. You're expected to fight them. And I'm like, (laughs) Chris Ledoux, this old cowboy hat. You ever heard this song? Chris Ledoux, this old cowboy hat? Yeah, I mean, shit. He's dead. Yeah, I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's done for. All right, guys. Hey, appreciate it. Guys, I'll see you later on. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate all y'all. Remember, click like, click share, click subscribe. Help us spread the gospel of drag racing, and we'll see you at the racetrack. Later, y'all. Later. Thanks, guys.